630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, I want to start tonight with a weather forecast. 2 degrees Celsius with wind gusting between 40 and 60 kilometers an hour. That's the Monday nighter in Buffalo (laughs) where the the Bills are going to play the Patriots. Uh, Extremely windy. I I mean, two degrees Celsius doesn't sound that bad in Edmonton at this time of year, but obviously with the wind, it's going to feel a little chillier than that. I was just watching some of the pregame show here before I came on air, and I, I believe it looked like about an extra point distance that one of the kickers was attempting in warm-up, and it was going right down the middle, and then all of a sudden it just got pushed a little bit off to the side and dropped short. So it could be fun watching the kicking name there tonight as well. New England coming in 8-4, and four, Buffalo at 7-4. Good matchup, but they'll be uh, fighting the elements as much as they're fighting each other tonight. Coaching change in Philadelphia. Alain Vigneault out, Mike Yo taking over. Well, it's 4-3 Avalanche leading the Flyers after the first period. After the first period, 4-3 for the Avalanche. It was uh, 4-1 at one point, and then Philadelphia got a couple of quick goals. Kale McCarr, the former AJHL star, scored an absolute beauty end-to-end rush on the power play for the Avalanche. He already has 11 goals this season. Devils leading the Senators 1-0 in the second period. Ducks and Capitals 1-1 in the second period. Coming up later, Coyotes and Stars, Penguins in Seattle, and the Kings play the Canucks as the Canucks make massive changes. GM Jim Benning is fired as they sit with a record of 8-15-2. Head coach Travis Green is fired. Bruce Boudreaux takes over behind the bench. Stan Smeal, the Canucks lifer, former player with the team who's been in management since he retired, he's going to take over as the interim GM, and we'll look deeper into that story a little bit later on tonight on Inside Sports. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Uh, we'll talk about the Oilers extensively here as we uh, break down their first losing streak of the season. It did take a while, but they have lost two in a row to fall to 16-7 and seven on the year. Furnace Family Oilers Hockey tomorrow in this time slot. We got the face-off show at 530 game at seven as uh, the Oilers take on the Minnesota Wild who are having a pretty good year on their own here and they got that uh, Kaprizov kid who's really exciting the Wild boasting a record of 17-6-1 and one. so that's game two of the Oilers six game homestand coming up tomorrow so let's start it here with uh, something that we have been talked about ex- uh, we've talked about extensively on this show on the face-off show Rob and I on overtime open line And the Oilers do not start games well. And usually teams that don't start games well wouldn't have a record like 16 and 7. So first of all, hey, you know what? On the positive side, I'll say the Oilers have been able to figure it out some nights where they haven't had their A game or where they haven't started well. And I think that's part of being a good team. You can't just win when everything's clicking and you have a good night. You have to win ugly or figure out some wins that maybe go off script a little bit. But it's it's getting more and more alarming that the Oilers not just are, are are scored on first, but also that they don't appear to be starting games with uh, with a lot of energy, a lot of pizzazz, a lot of pressure, a lot of detailed execution, and uh, they've been falling behind and falling behind too much in some cases to recover, and that's starting to hurt them. They are nine and zero when they score first. They're seven and seven when they don't score first which is 14 out of 23 games, which is too many. I mean, look, if you're 500 when you give up the first goal, you're you're going to have a better record than most teams 
when, when allowing the first goal, but it can't happen that often. And as we've seen, it's not just that they get scored on first, it's that they're allowing grade-A chances early in games. They, they don't appear overly engaged. They're not winning a lot of puck battles. That first goal last night by the Kings, the, the puck was in a tie-up just outside the Kings blue line. And they kind of forced it up the wall by winning a couple little battles and then eventually got it into the middle. And that led to the Kapari goal. So that is concern number one. And we've talked about it over and over again. You you've heard Rob Brown say it. Most players will tell you this. And even most coaches will tell you this. It's up to the players to be ready to go. I don't care how you prepare for a game. Maybe you need to meditate. Maybe you need to watch the Flintstones. Maybe you need to get dressed at the last minute and guzzle a gallon of coffee and then go out on the ice. Whatever. Uh, a player, an adult, should know what he needs to do to get ready for the game. But this is happening over and over again for the Edmonton Oilers. So I said to Dave Tippett today, hey, you know, may, maybe a dumb question, but can you pretend you're starting the game down one nothing? Can you make little mini challenges for the guys? What can a coach do about these poor starts? Some one thing works one time and the other time it doesn't work, right? Depends on how, like, there's just, there's different factors that come into it. Last night, I thought we started poor. The first shift, we, we were, uh, we lost a couple early battles. They gave a chance away. And so, like, today, those are things that we look at, right? You, you got to be engaged right from the start. Where, uh, when you get tired, you end up skating through things. You do things, a lot of looping. Rather than stopping, it's easier to just to keep going and hopefully things catch up with you or you catch up with that. And that's where you're, you're not a connected team. We weren't, we tried to stay connected in all three zones. We were, we were too spread out last night. So there's, there's things you talk about. We have little challenges now and then. We'll put a certain thing of shots or uh, hits in a period to start the game and all those things we talk about all the time. All right. So first of all, he wound up, given a, uh, an answer about some of the things the Oilers aren't doing. And, and as he said, looping instead of stopping, kind of hoping things are going to work out and the play is going to go your way instead of making sure definitely good points. And, and as he said, as a coach, he does have tactics to try to emphasize starts of games, or you're saying, let's get this many shots in the first period or this many hits. I, I think th there, there are a lot of different ways uh, coaches can do things. They can go in there and they can blatantly say our starts suck and they need to be better and anybody who doesn't play well in the first two shifts isn't going to play again that night. Or you can try maybe what Tippett referenced or it's like, okay, how can we get them focused on getting pucks to the net? Okay, we want 15 shots on goal in the first period or or whatever. We just want, or, or, or you know, we want this many chances on rebounds. So you can handle it blatantly and, and address it, or you can set other little goals along the way. I always remember, you know, when we talk about uh, ways coaches can get through to players, uh, I'll, I'll never forget, I think this, the, the statute of limitations has, has run out on this. Uh, I'll never forget, this would have been in the 20, it was either 2014 or 2015, because Chris Jones was coaching the football team, and Mike Riley was the quarterback. And Morley Scott told me uh, he was talking to Chris Jones about the upcoming opponent. And he said, uh, Jones said something like, well, we, we got to watch something their, their linebackers are doing because they can, they can really do something to take away this part of the field. And then Jones said he, he, had, he had Riley doing a drill 
where he was he was throwing to uh, running a lot of plays where he was going to be throwing to this spot that the linebackers of the other team had vacated. And Morley said, did you tell Mike that's why he's doing that drill? And Jones says, nope. So he just built that into the drill without saying like, okay, Mike, you, you have to watch for this. And when it happens, you do this. He didn't want to put that in his quarterback's head. He just said, you got to go out there and do this. Now, with starting games, it's clearly in the Oilers' head because they know it's happening over and over again, and they're, they're being asked about it by people like me and, and fans are chatting about it and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I will say this. I, I think there's – and as Craig McTavish said on this show a couple of weeks ago, he said if you make too big a deal about it, that can perhaps make it even more debilitating. And then they focus so much on that. And then if, if it doesn't go their way again, then they get even more down about it. And then that affects the rest of the game as uh, in, instead of just getting through it. So, look, the coach, the leader has to make a decision on how to handle it. it maybe it wouldn't be the way you would handle it if you could coach the team for a day. But hopefully it is something that's being talked about because it's not a one-off anymore. And again, there have been periods in which they've come out tied or even ahead first period specifically, when they haven't even played that well and they've still been able to escape the lead. But but now we're seeing that happening less and less where they're not able to get out of periods with the lead and then they're behind most of the time. Now, today's practice was uh, supposed to be a full practice change to an optional this morning. So the only players who skated were the players who did not participate in the game last night and Tippett enlightened us on the decision to make it optional today. I watched the game again last night. We were we were a tired group all the way through. Heavy legs, not reacting to this stuff. So uh, came in this morning. They can have a little workout, and the guys that didn't play last night will skate. Everybody that uh, that played last night stayed off and watched a little video. All right. So uh, Tippett saying the Oilers, in his mind, looking a little tired. They actually haven't played uh, a ton lately. Uh, I mean, they didn't play what, the last uh, three days of November. They had the game against the Penguins. They went to Seattle. They got back and played last night. But he thought they looked a little tired, so they did not do a full practice today. Uh, we, we have a lot to talk about because I think this is going to be a pivotal stretch here for Edmonton. It, it would not surprise me at all if December is not a great month. And, and I'm not going to you know lose my mind over it. If you look at other years, recently in which the Oilers have made the playoffs. You, you look at any team in the NHL, they usually have a stretch where it's not great. Maybe it's 500, maybe it's a game or two under 500 for 10 or 15 games. The good thing is the Oilers have banked some points, but I think given the quality of the opponents here, and then speaking of the schedule, ton of road games before and after Christmas, I think this could be a tough run for the team. And I think there's some further evaluation here and some honest assessment of, of the roster and, and players' abilities that's going to have to happen. Of course, I am happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063. That is the hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials. I have a challenge for you tonight. If you're going to call me, I want you to start your phone call the way orders have started games lately. All right? I'll let you interpret that whoever you want. 780-496-0063. We're back after the break. All right. All right. Well, I'm disappointed. I, I got the football game on the TV. It's kind of next to me. So I half, I'm half, I missed the opening kickoff. I wanted to see how the ball was going to behave. 
But now Buffalo's punting, so I, <laughs> I want to see how far the ball goes. Looked like uh, a relatively normal punt. It's quite windy there in Buffalo. Okay, Oilers get ready for the Wild tomorrow. We're talking about some of the uh, things that have been ailing them lately. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Harry has called in. Go ahead, Harry. Hey, uh, Reed. I just wanted to talk about kind of defensive structure. Really, like the one thing that I always find when I watch the Oilers are that it always seems like you're watching the intermission an Oilers game when they bring all those kids onto the ice and they play sideways and the puck goes to one area and everybody goes to one place and then the puck goes somewhere else and everybody goes to one place. But second to that, a lot of these teams I find that we're having problems with it. It's like the recipe book on beating our team is out there and it's play hard and McDavid and Dreisaitl, but pounding the body in our team and is it just a reflection of still maybe kind of how small our our defense is you know if you look at our team entering the d zone yesterday they're getting hit a lot of the teams that are are taking us to task are really taking the body once we enter their defensive zone but the one common thing i find with our team over the years is when you have an opposing team coming in and they're coming in let's say with a bit of speed our guys are more than happy to just follow them around the ice, kind of half bent over where their puck's sticking forward. And I, I kind of like analogies. It's kind of like someone coming to your house with a home invasion, and the Oilers are the people that will open the door, let you in, and then will chase you around the house trying to get you out, whereas some other people be maybe more like, hey, you know what, I'm going to kind of push you back and get you out of my face a bit. I just find that we lack that, and it seems to be something that doesn't go away and I, it makes me think of Bob Nicholson back in the day where he made that comment about there being something in the water in Edmonton because you start to take a look at variables people have changed on the team the back end has changed a little bit but we still suffer from this problem and at what point do we actually start to take a look at maybe who's teaching our defense team you know, is it, I don't know, is it Playfair that's teaching him or whoever, but yeah, Playfair maybe we need to have... in charge of the defense, yeah. But do you see what I'm saying? Like, you take a look at some of the, take a look at, uh, take a look at Winnipeg, Charlie Huddy. Again, that, that phrase that Tippett likes, hard on the puck, but we're not hard on the puck. And at what point are we able to say, okay, guys, we have to teach you this. Now, you can take a look down south, and you can argue it's teachable, I mean, they're doing a very good job of executing that, I think. I don't watch a lot of their games. I know Mark's terms playing lights out. But definitely, if you put Edmonton and Calgary into a game, which I think is coming up in January, right now, I think they're just going to beat the crap out of us with hard checking and whatnot, take our guys out of the game. But we never seem to be able to do that. And I don't know. I mean, maybe you can comment on, like, what does it take Aside from again trading well, and I'll, getting I'll rid of players, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. First, of, yep. first of all, uh, I think that's that's an interesting point. Okay, se- several things. I do think they miss CC because I think he was having a solid yep. season. I think they miss Keith to some extent, even though I think he gives the puck away too much. Uh, I also think they have a couple of players who play a lot that simply are not bruisers. Like if you look at Barry and Bouchard, like they're yep. not. They're not cycle stoppers. That's not their forte, right? So yep. if if you look at 
if if you look at the the makeup of some of the guys, that's not why they're in the National Hockey League. Now, maybe Bouchard will grow into that a little bit. He is bigger than Barry, um, but I I think that that's a that's a valid point, and I think that was a concern before the season was how the Oilers should be able to move the puck once they have it. Um, but can they get it and can they stop the cycle soon enough? I also think another yeah. extension of what you were talking about is that the third and fourth lines haven't scored and haven't won territory to keep the puck out of the Oilers end either. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a frustrating thing because it's such a fine balancing act when you're assembling a team right now, you take a look at the game in Dallas their players all seemed like they were giants, you know, and but at the same time, they play with with speed. You know, usually you think there's an inverse relationship. The bigger you are, the slower you're going to be, and you're going to have kind of a lethargic defense or something, but it can be done. It's just, I hate to say it, but I still think we're a little bit removed from realizing even getting out of a first round because if teams like that are performing right now when it's not a playoff series, they still, like everybody, if we expect the Oilers to have an extra gear, we got to realize those other teams may have well, an extra sure. gear or two, right? Yeah, Harry, I got to run, buddy. I appreciate you listening, man. That is Harry, 780-496-0063. Got to get the news and weather in here. Al is up next and uh, more comments from after the Oilers' uh, optional practice today. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.